Great to have everyone here with us today. My name is Pastor John Hubert, if you're new with us here today. And uh, we're glad that you came to visit us, if you are new, and uh, glad to have everyone here today. And just wanted to continue in our series today on Advent. And our Advent series is All I Want for Christmas. And we've done hope and peace. And today we're going to be working on joy. And when we talk about Advent, for some of us maybe you grew up in a more formal church, Advent was a season that was uh, celebrated. Some of you may have seen Advent calendars and things like that. But uh, Advent is preparing for the coming, preparing for the coming of the Lord. And the Advent means the word coming. And so we prepare, we talk about the preparing for the coming of Jesus, but we know he's already come. But Advent season also is preparing for the second coming of Jesus. And we're excited for that. So the four Sundays that are leading up to Christmas are Advent Sundays, and they have four themes to them, hope, peace, joy, and love, and this week is joy. And if you've missed any of the four weeks, we've had the two weeks already of hope and peace. Those are available online at our website or through our podcast. And uh, so we just want to emphasize this Christmas season, if we had a true Christmas list, if we had a Christmas list that it's not going to be necessarily put on an Amazon Christmas list or a gift registry, and if we could say if we could have hope, peace, joy, and love and have that in abundance in our life, we would be blessed people. We would be a blessed nation. We'd be a blessed city. We'd be a blessed church. And what we want to do is say, God, help us to have this in our lives and help us also to be the vessels to bring hope, to peace to people, to joy to people, and love to people in this world that are desperately in need of it. And today we want to talk about joy. And I looked up joy, um, as I always do, as it kind of, you know, what is the definition? And you don't hear people talk about joy a lot anymore. You don't hear this. Um, in fact, when I looked up joy, I had uh, the dish soap popped up, if anyone remembers, remember that. Uh, a, a couple movies named Joy. And uh, a couple songs named Joy, but they're, they're, people talk more about happiness, or they talk about thrills, or they talk about things like that. But in the Old Testament and the New Testament, when it's talked about joy in the Bible, it's a quality. It's something that's a, a state. It's not something that's merely um, something that you, uh, an emotion, but it's grounded in God himself, and indeed it comes from him. It is something we receive from him and is grounded in our relationship with him. And it characterizes our life on earth. It's a characteristic because there's many places where it says, count it all joy or in joy of our salvation, the joy that we have. And when he talks about, when the angels talked about, when they said joy to the world, and this is great tidings of great joy and all of the things like that, it is joy that we are supposed to receive from Christ and joy that we are supposed to live in a state of. And so it's not something that just comes and goes. I think happiness can come and go. You know, the ha- you know good feelings can come and go. Yesterday we went to visit uh, Erica's family, and they have an eight-week-old puppy. You can't be sad holding an eight-week-old puppy. You just can't. They put it in your lap, and like, I'm happy now. All right? But the puppy, go- somebody else took the puppy. And all of a sudden you don't have that warm feeling anymore because somebody took the puppy because everybody's sharing the puppy. And the puppy's going, what's going on? Why am I being passed around? But there, you know, there's certain things that you can have. Uh, you don't have the, the thrills and the happiness, but you can have joy 
throughout your life. So today we're going to look at John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. And we're going to start in the middle and work out from there. Because this is a verse that uh, when I was looking for uh, things about joy, it really stuck out to me. And if you look at verse 11, it says, These things I have spoken to you, this is Jesus speaking, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So the goal of Jesus for his followers is that we have joy, and not only do we have joy, but we have a full joy. And why did Jesus speak and teach his disciples? Why did Jesus live? Why did he do all of these things? He says it here. These words I have spoken to you. These things I have done for you. These, this I came to earth for that you may have joy. It is something that God desires for you as his follower. It is something that God desires for everyone on this earth that want, will follow him. You see, Jesus himself will say that he is experiencing true joy in following his Father and his example of obedience even to the cross. This is, this is all going to make a lot more sense. There's a lot of things in John chapter 15, this section, that after Jesus dies and rises from the dead, they're going to look at and go, oh, now we get it. Okay, this is one of those things. But Jesus is going to say, I counted out joy as I go to the cross. I counted joy that the fact that we saw the example of Jesus coming down and being born as a human baby. Jesus, who is in heaven, experiencing everything that's wonderful about heaven. He is God himself. He is able to do anything. He put himself in that state for us, and he said, I have joy because of it. And he wants that same joy that he did when he followed the Father's plan. He wants it to be in us. He, while he was on earth, Jesus relied on God the Father. Jesus kept saying, I'm doing my Father's will. He put himself underneath God the Father, even though he didn't have to. God, Jesus is equal with God the Father, but he says, I put myself in the, in the circumstances that I obey what he says. And when I obey what he says, it brings me joy. And so now I want you to obey God the Father and me so you can have joy. See, it's all he wants to pass it to us. It's something that he wants to bring to us. And he gives us this joy and his example for us to keep. But it also is a direct transfer. He says, if in you and it abides in you and you abide in me. Realize the fact that God wants to give us joy and he wants to impute it into us. It is not something that we just kind of say, okay, I'm going to have the joy if I follow these quick, easy steps. The joy comes from the fact of a direct relationship with God where he passes on that joy to us. He gives it to us. Now, the fullness. He says, I want you to have it to the fullness or to be full. And we think about things that are full. We think about, I don't know if you've ever accidentally, one of the most disappointing things I've ever done is accidentally overfill the gas tank. Okay? It's messy. It costs me money. It, and it's, it's, just, it's spraying everywhere. And it's just like, ugh. Okay? But he wants us to be full to that stage where no more can go into it. If you think about something that's overfull. Have you ever overfilled a glass? Have you ever overfilled something? Have you ever eaten too much? Were you overfull? I think that we can all identify with that on Thanksgiving time. But the concept is that he wants it to be that you are completely full of joy. That there is not a spot in your life that is outside of joy. 
You say, well, I'm physically not feeling well. You can still have joy. Well, I have this issue. You can still have joy. There is not an area of your life, there is not one area where you cannot be a state of joy. And it is a, a sense that comes from God the Father, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit working through us that can be complete. And there can be, it is finished and is full to the top. It is passive, the word here. You notice that to say that you may be full. He is saying this is going to come from me. Just for the record, all of this is going to point back to Jesus. When you don't feel joy in your life, you know what you need? More of God and less of you. When you are struggling with joy and you are not full, it's because you're far away from, you're pulling away from God and not close to him. I mean, the fact, and we're going to see the examples in the Bible where people say we are having joy in our lives and things are going horrible in our lives, but we're having joy. Why? Because we're in God's will. We're right in the middle of it. And that is where the state of well-being, the state of, of, of you know, true happiness comes from, from being with God. Now, the illustration that I, I thought of, as, I was thinking of this story from the Old Testament. It was about Elisha. And at the end of his life, he was uh, working with King Joash. And he goes to King Joash, and Joash is worried about an invasion that is coming. And he says, uh, Elisha tells, to him, tells him, he says, take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrow. And he said to the king of Israel, draw, draw the bow, and he drew it. And Elisha laid uh, his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the window eastward, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria, for you shall fight the Syrians in the Aftek until you have made the end of them. And he said, take the arrows, and he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. And he struck it three tr- times and stopped. Then the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you had made the end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. The reason that story sticks with me, do you want to, I think about this and say, do you want just a little bit of joy or do you want all of it? And this is an example where somebody could have had more joy if they would have put more into God. It's an example. God, give me more joy. God, give me more joy. God, give me more joy. He's not offended by that. I like this fact that God wanted to do more for him than the person was willing to take. And that's the way it is with God. He wants to do more for us. So I want to be the person that's banging on the ground saying, more, more, more of God, more, more, more of God, less of me. I want to see how big God can be in my life. And I think it's also important to understand that this joy is not related to external circumstances. In fact, a lot of the times, if you look through the New Testament, it talks about joy. You know what it talks about almost many times with it? Suffering. I'm having joy in a time of suffering. We're having joy in a time of suffering. Count it all joy when you suffer. You are suffering and now you're experiencing joy. How is that possible? Because it is not an external circumstance. It is not based on the world. It is not based on who's president. It's not based on who's, uh, you know, how things are going in your life. It is not based on anything. It is based on God and his state alone. And then you ask yourself, Okay, that's great, Pastor, but can you give me some example? How about these disciples? You know what happens to every one of these disciples except for one? They're all brutally tortured and killed. You say to yourself, wow, there's a, there's a brochure you could write. Follow Jesus, be brutally tortured and killed. Did they find joy in their life? Yep, you betcha they did. 
They, 1 John 1 through 4, verse 4 says, and we are writing these things, and he's talking, John is talking later, same writer here, he says that our joy may be complete, that we may show you all the things that Jesus gave to us, our joy may be complete, and your joy also can be complete. So here's John, who's going to be exiled on an island, okay, and he, we think he might have been killed even after that, but we know for a fact that he was exiled. He says our joy is complete. Acts 13, 52, it says, And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. So we have examples that we know that this happened. This happened to the disciples, that they too had joy. And we know what happens to them. We know how things go. We know that they are taken in front of, uh, of religious leaders and non-religious leaders and beaten for their faith. We know that they are locked up in jail for their faith. We know that they are stoned for their faith. We know that they are mocked constantly for their faith. We know that their families turn on them for their faith. But we see that they are filled with joy. Filled with joy. Not just kind of joy. Filled. I love that term. I want to be full. You know, you've ever tell somebody they're full of something. This is something you want to be full of, Okay. You want to be full of joy. And when you're full of joy, I'm even thinking this, as I think of fullness, you are emanating it out. The joy that comes from you is what other people are going to look at and they're going to say, why do you have joy? And there's your opportunity. When you're at the Christmas table and when you're with your relatives, uh, a lot of times if you're a Christian, you're going to be mocked. But also, if you're showing true signs of joy, People are going to say, why is it you have joy? And what is it that is about you? And you have the opportunity to reach people through that. So what's the source of joy? I think that's the key. What is that source of this quality of life that we have? And if you look at verse 1 in chapter 15, it says, I am the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. It is God, Jesus Christ is the true vine, and we are in Him. And when we are in Him, He is the source of of our joy. The source is Jesus. We must abide in him for our joy. Now if you look at verses 4 through 10, you get the impression that he wants us to abide. Okay? Just basic Bible study. It says, abide in me in verse 4. And the the middle of verse 4 it said, abides in the vine. Uh, In the middle of verse 5 it says, abides in me. Verse uh, verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. And, by, and verse 9, abide in my love. Verse 10, abide in my love. And at the end of verse 10, abide in his love. Again, doesn't take much to say, there must be something to abide. Okay, there must be something to this. And what that means is to stay, to remain, or to lodge in Christ. To stay, to remain, to lodge. This is the Greek understanding of this word. It means that we just think about living in Christ and abiding in him and staying and lodging, making your residence in Christ is what he wants us to do. And when we make our residence in Christ, it does not matter the world around us. It does not matter the circumstance because we are defined by that which we are drawing our source from. There, and it, you just go through this. He says, abide in me. When you abide in the vine, you receive the source from that. And if his words abide in us, if his words, if, his, if the glory of Christ abides in us, and his voices are what we are hearing, 
His voice is what we are understanding. His voice. We are receiving all of our power. And you think about the example that he's using here of the vine. If you have a vine, now, uh, and you have a branch that's coming off it, if you separate the branch from the vine, the vine is nothing on its own. But if it's attached, it's something. There's a lot of pretty pine boughs out there right now, boughs out there. There's a lot of pretty pine trees. But what happens to those pretty pine trees and pine boughs? Basically, they make good fire this this summer for us because they cannot survive on their own. And we need to understand that we need to be in Christ all the time. And no other source will work because we are plugged into something for our sense of well-being right now. I was thinking about we are abiding or we are plugged into something. And it's probably something of pleasures of this world. And whether they're sinful or not, there is pleasure in, in things of this life. There are ple- there's pleasure in our family. There's pleasure in our work. These are not bad things. God intended us to work. There are pleasure in, 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 like I talked about, holding a puppy. There's pleasure in that. But these things are not a source of true joy. They are not things that are going to carry us through. And I ask you today, what are you plugged into? What are you plugged into for your joy? Are you plugged into something eternal? Or are you plugged into something that could change tomorrow? You can't be plugged into your health. You don't know what it's going to be. You can't be plugged into your job. You don't know what it's going to be. You can't be plugged into your family. You just don't understand. Your friends. All of these things which are not bad. And then we can go even further if you're plugged into other things and you're trying to find pleasure in this life and you're trying to find joy in this life and things that are sinful, those are even shorter of a season. The Bible says that there's a season that you will receive a thrill from that, but it'll eventually tear you down. It'll eventually pull you away and your joy will be lost if you put it in anything besides Christ. Any of his creations. All of his creations are good, but nothing is pure as God himself. And we know this by the source of how it comes into us is that the fruit of the Spirit, one of them is joy. And what does that come from? The fruit that comes in us that is, comes from us being plugged into the vine is joy in our lives. It abides in us. So not only is it the, the source of the joy of Jesus, but what else do we have? This joy we receive is answered prayer in our lives. Verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved you, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And, um, sorry, I jumped ahead. (laughs) If you abide in me and my words abide in you, verse 7, you ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is one thing you learn from speaking. When you make a mistake, just keep going, okay? Keep working. 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. You start to see a pattern here. And you say to yourself, we have joy in answered prayer. Now, do you know what the key is to answered prayer? Abiding in Christ. And abiding in his words. When we ask for things that are in the will of God, we have a guaranteed answered prayer. When we ask for things that are not in his will, when we ask for things that are selfish, and we're doing it from our own heart, we do not have this. But we have the advantage of once we are close enough with Christ, 
we start to have the intimacy with him when our prayer requests reflect what he wants in this world. We are praying for his kingdom to come. We are praying for his glory. We are praying for his power. And when we do that, we see them answered. And it shows the, we are connected to the power source, and that power source answers our prayers. And that brings us joy. See the connection there? It's all about the joy. It's so great to see us pray for something and see it happen and say, this happened because of our connection to Christ. It happens because we know him. And the Bible says um, that the, the heavens have great joy when a sinner comes to know him. When we are in Christ and we pray for people to be saved, we pray for God to use us, we get to experience that joy too. We get to experience that joy when God works through somebody's life. We get to experience when God answers prayer in somebody's life because we are connected to Him. What a joy we have in the answered prayers in God's life, because in our lives, because He says, If you abide in my, me and your, my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But whatever you wish will be what Christ has put in you. And what a joy we have from that. The next thing is the joy from keeping God's commandments. If you look at verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. It's important to understand that we, when we keep God's commandments, we experience joy. You know what happens in this world when we don't keep God's commandments? Well, I've talked about it before. The Bible says that, that sin has, a, has some kind of a thrill for a season. But it does not have the eternal state of joy. If you are doing things outside of God's commandments, you are not experiencing joy. You are not experiencing true joy in your life. But if you keep his commandments, he writes these commandments to us. He gives us these words. Why? The reason from the beginning is so that you may have joy and have it to the full. Sometimes you wonder if you've been in an authority situation with people. I mean, I've read, you've read the list of stupid laws that people have passed. Or maybe you've been in a classroom where you have a teacher that came up with the weirdest rules. Or maybe you have a, another, I mean, just think about things that we've been in where there's rules and things like that. And I say to myself, you don't understand, maybe something happened with this teacher or something happened in 1850 that made them make this law. Okay, we have so many examples in, in our world here of things that aren't right, and we say, well, we can't follow all the rules, and we can't do all that. But if we follow God's commandments and follow them the way he asks us to, he promises us joy. When he says don't do something, it's not because he's trying to deprive you of pleasure. The enemy, what was the original sin? The enemy telling Eve, God is just trying to keep the good stuff from you. God's trying to keep you from the fun stuff. You know, you go to church, it's got to be boring. There's no fun there. Come with us. This is where all the good times are. This is where all the wonderful things happen. But you know what? When we follow after God, there is joy. When we follow after his commandments, there is joy. When we follow his commands for our life, there is joy. And why is that? Because he loves us. And he says he wants us to have joy and for that joy to be full. And if he wants our joy to be full, why would he command us something that isn't going to bring that? God's not up there making arbitrary rules. Oh, commandment number eight, they're never going to like this one. 
You know, ooh, I'm going to throw this one in just to mess with them. That's not God. God created us and said, follow what I say. Follow my commandments. There's so many areas in our life. If we don't gossip, if we don't lie, if we love one another, if we, if we do what God calls us, if, if we have pure sexual lives like he has called us to, we will have joy and we'll have a lot less worry in our lives. Okay? We'll just have a lot less worry. If you're not lying about something, you don't have to remember the lie that you said so you can follow the lie so you can follow with another lie. If you're always telling the truth, you have less worry in your life, which brings you joy. You're starting to get that, right? If you, if you follow what he says, you have that sense of peace and joy in your life. And what's even better, verse 14 says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Now that sounds kind of like you are my friend when you do what I command you. I mean, don't go up to your friends and say, you're my friend if you do what I command you. Don't, you're not God. Okay, I'll just give you that as a hint. Do not quote that verse to your friends. I got a Bible verse for you, friends. Okay, sorry. That's, that's your Bible out of context for today. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You know what's exciting about God? He doesn't just tell us to not do something. He tells us why. He says, don't do this because I have a better plan for you. Don't lie because this is going to destroy relationships. And he says, I want to I give that to you. Respect your parents because then you will be blessed. He gives us the, the why behind it. He gives us the mind of God. He gives us, the Bible is not just a set of rules. It's a set of how we can know God and know how much he loves us and know the Father and we're so in love with him we say, of course we want to follow you because we understand that you have laid out the perfect plan for us. You have let us know the mind of the Father. You have let us know the mind of Christ. You have given us everything that we need to understand that your ways are better. It's not just a simple, I told you so and I'm the boss. Okay, there's a lot of Things, and I've talked to a lot of people of different religions, and they'll say that. I'll say, why do you follow that? Because God says I have to. Yeah, but does he tell you why? No, we don't get to know why. Even, I mean, the word Islam means one, it means to submit. You don't ask questions. You just submit. Does it make no sense? Absolutely. But you still do it. That is what the religion, and I, I'm not saying from a Muslim perspective, that's what they would say. But God doesn't do that. He says, I have a plan for you. And once you start to get into my plan, you start to see that it makes sense. And I will reveal in your life how this works. You get to know, and from God, the Holy Spirit, the mind of Christ, the mind of the Father, and experience the joy that comes with that of what he is doing for us. He also says, lastly, that we have joy from love for one another. The major commandment that he makes here. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And in verse 17, he closes with, these things I command you so that you will love one another. You know what brings joy to your life? Loving one another. And the one another component, I did a whole sermon series on the one another. You know what's amazing about that term? One another means you're loving that person 
and that person is loving you, and that is the greatest relationship you can have. If we are loving one another as a church, which means there's a back and forth that happens in this church, there's a back and forth that happens among people in this church, we can experience the greatest joy that we can have. Because we are called to love one another. And when we experience that, we have the intimacy, the intimacy that comes from God's love in us. It says that God's love, as I have loved you, he says. As I have loved you, and I think there's also a component there. You say, well, there's a few people here that maybe aren't worthy of my love. Now, don't, I know that nobody here would say that. I, I know, this is for another church. This is, we'll put it on the internet so other people can listen to it. But, you know, there may be some people you say, well, I have trouble loving them. That's why Jesus put, as I have loved you. Do you think you're hard to love at times? Um, again, not for this group. Again, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to put this tomorrow on the internet and people will hear it and say, yes, I'm, but I know the people at Crossroads don't have that problem. Um, but no, we, as I have loved you, Jesus says. And the Bible says, while we are yet enemies of God, while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's one of my favorite verses. Because it's not while we were good enough, when we finally got our act together, Jesus loved us. Or how about for God, the one that's quoted so often, John 3, 16, so God so loved the world. The word world right there is cosmos in Greek. That word world is the evil of this world. It incorporates the evil of this world. God loved the evilness of this world enough to try to come in and get rid of it. That's the love that he has for us. So when we're called to love one another, he's the example. And he even says to lay down your life for your friends, which means putting yourself on the line for your friends, putting yourself on the line for other people in the church, putting yourself out there like that is going to cause true joy for you and true joy for the other person. We're experiencing joy because we love and we follow him. The major commandment that he has, there's two commandments he's going to talk about, that we love the Lord our God with all our heart and we love our neighbor as ourselves. And of this is the sum of all the law and commandments. And when we do this, we experience the joy and we have it to the full. We don't get a little bit of joy. God doesn't want us just to have a, a touch of joy and say, ooh, that was good. I hope I get that again someday. He wants us to live in a constant fullness of it. And the, if we get away from it, we need to get closer and closer to that vine. Closer and closer to God. And say, we want to be in that state where we are abiding in you and our joy is full. Why don't you stand with me right now? For our prayer ministers could come forward. If you're here today and you may say to yourself, I, I don't, I, you know, outside of Christ, I cannot guarantee anybody joy because. Joy is an aspect that only comes from Christ. True joy comes from God. Jesus says, I am the vine. And since he is the vine, unless you're connected to that vine, there is no joy. There, there can be some good feelings. There can be some good times in life. But that constant state that says, I have joy no matter what this life brings me. I have joy in my life. I have a sense of well-being. I have a sense of peace. Be, and joy, it comes only from Christ. And if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, you've never made him the master of your life, today is the day to make that commitment. 
Come and talk to one of our prayer ministers. And come and talk to him and say, you know what, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to know what it's like to have joy in my life. Because the Bible says, King David, one of the famous sayings that he has in the Psalms, it says, bring back the joy of my salvation. The joy of my salvation, that my sins are forgiven, that I am going to heaven, that I have Christ in my life, and I have his, his spirit within me forever. That is the joy that we have. But for everybody else that's here, you, I think we can all say that we need more joy in our lives. We also need more joy in the lives around us. But the only way that we're going to have joy in our lives, and the only way that we're going to bring that joy to other people, is if we allow Christ to abide in us. He says, abide in me as I in you, this chapter says. In other words, realize the fact that he is bringing that joy, and he is the source of joy for other people. So if you're right now saying, you know, I don't have much joy in my life. I don't have this well-being. I don't have this, this sense that things are okay. I don't have this say that I can say I'm living in joy. I'm filled with joy. The Bible just says, get closer to God. Reach out to Him. Source yourself into Him. Stop putting your, your source of happiness, your source of well-being into things of this world. Put it into Christ. And realize that He wants to bring you to the fullness of joy. If you don't have it, understand that He wants you to have it. You're not praying. If you say, God, I want to pray for full joy, but I'm not sure you want to have it. I just read to you that he wants you to have it. So he does. It, it's, a, it, it's, it's one of those things where you just pray the scriptures and know that it's something that he wants to bring you. And so this is today. Just reach out to God and say, I want that joy in my life. And you know what, God? Also, do I, not only do I want that, I want this week. There are people everywhere. When you walk out this door, you will meet people and you know right away there is no joy in that life. Okay, there is, no, there is no sense of peace. There is no sense of joy. There is no sense of well-being. There is no sense of, of, of happiness in that person's life. We can bring that to that person. We can point them to the source. We can help them plug into that source of joy in their life. And God, give us opportunities to do that as a church. Give us opportunities to point people to the true source of joy. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your spirit, God. We thank you, God, that you are the vine and we are the branches, God, that we have joy and fullness of joy because of you, all because of you, God. And if we right now struggle with joy in our lives, God, struggle with the well-being in our life, we just need to draw closer to you because, God, you say you want us to have joy that comes for you and you want it to have it be full in our lives in every area of our lives. And I pray right now that you will make that happen. I pray for your joy right now just to flood over this, this congregation, God. That people right now will sense a spirit, a spirit of joy in them that they've never sensed before. And they will know that it is from you, God. And we just ask, God, that you will also give us opportunities this week to, to spread this through our community. We ask this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our prayer ministers are available, otherwise you are dismissed.